this week's edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the South Asian and Muslim community about Texas and national politics. You can follow us on all forms of social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WiseUpTX, that's W-I-S-E-U-P-T-X, or you can check out our website, www.wiseuptx.com. Remember, everyone, get educated, get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. So first of all, a couple of announcements. I wanted to announce that Wise Up TX and Radio Azad will be hosting the first ever Civics and Chai. I hope you all are really excited about this. Uh, this will be held on September 30th, which is a Saturday, from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Par Library, which is in Plano, Texas. Um, I will be there presenting about Texas politics, the basic rundown, who your state reps are, how to get involved and how to continue to stay informed and get your voices heard. We will also have Dr. Shahid Shafi, who is a city councilman from Southlake, and he will be discussing city politics, why it's so important to be involved in city politics. And there are many South Asians that have been interested in um, to run for office, so he will also be giving pointers on you know, how you can sign up to run for office, why it's important to run for office, and how to essentially have a campaign. So I think if... There are those of you who, you know, want to learn to try and make a difference as to what's going on in politics. This is a great event for you to show up, and we will also have chai there. And so I think it'll be a great event to discuss politics and drink some chai and learn how to become civically engaged. So I hope we all will see you there. All right, moving on, I wanted to offer my prayers to those impacted by Hurricane Harvey. There's also Hurricane Irma that's been hitting Florida. Um, while there hasn't been as much media attention this week on Hurricane Harvey victims because of Hurricane Irma coming through, I still wanted to reiterate donations are still very much needed. Um, I would highly recommend um, sending monetary donations because... Um, charities are often better served by monetary donations rather than specific items because organizations can bulk discounts when they order themselves. Cash donations are almost always preferred over items. Um, because blankets, clothing, and stuffed animals are sent into overwhelmed disaster areas by well-meaning donors. So many nonprofit groups say in this case that they're also preparing for an extremely long recovery and that the needs almost certainly will change over time. So it's always best to do donate to many local Houston charities instead of the Red Cross. Um, some local charities I would recommend is the Texas Diaper Bank, um, the Houston Food Bank, the Food Bank of Corpus Christi, the City of Houston set up a Houston Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund, um, if you are a big animal lover, Austin Pets Alive, Houston SPCA um, are also great donations. They're really helping to take care of a lot of the um, pets that had been abandoned. And finally, there's also Islamic Relief USA that is really on the grounds helping out. So those are some that we highly recommend for you all to donate to. They still need funds. I'm sure um, Hurricane Irma, which is hitting Florida as we speak, is going to also need funds as well. So please keep in mind those victims that are being impacted by these horrible storms. All right, everyone. Now for the main part of the segment, I will be interviewing Seba Nafis, and we will be discussing the repeal of DACA, um, which is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And last week we had President Trump discuss um, how he intends to repeal it in six months. And Seba Nafis is a lady who was greatly impacted by this announcement because she is a dreamer. And um, 
First, you know, before we delve into the interview, I wanted to give a brief background of what DACA is. So, what is DACA? DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It was enacted in 2012. About 800,000 immigrants who were children when they arrived in the U.S. illegally have gotten protection in the program. So they essentially got temporary reprieve from deportation and they were able to work, study, and obtain driver's licenses. They went under intense um, background checks. They had to show clean criminal records. Um, in the state of Texas, there's about 124,300 that would be impacted um, by this DACA repeal. Uh, if you think on a national level, there are many South Asians impacted. Um, according to the Pew Research Company, um, there are 7,000 Indians that would be impacted by this and over 3,000 Pakistanis. Um, and, there are over 450,000 undocumented Indians here, um, but not all of them would be impacted by this repeal of DACA. Around 7,000 would be. Um, so then you hear the term dreamers, and those are the DACA recipients. Um, we'll have Saba talk a little bit more about whom the dreamers are. And you may be wondering why DACA was created, where did all this controversy come from? So during the Obama administration, um, they were unable to find a legislative remedy to protect minors who were brought to this country um, through no fault of their own. So then DACA created the program um, in an executive action in June of 2012. So many conservatives, the Republican Party, were very upset with this and they accused President Obama of overstepping his authority, but they brought no legal challenge. Um, at the time that DACA was created, Obama's um, executive order had very strong public support. So during the campaign of this past election, Donald Trump was very much against illegal immigration and promised to reverse what he called President Obama's unconstitutional executive actions. Then, you know, Donald Trump became wavering back and forth, and essentially it came down to um, him offering this executive order last week about you know, repealing DACA and giving six months to Congress to implement um, new legislation. And it seems like there may be new legislation coming to the floor this week in D.C. And he essentially was saying that, well, because many Republicans felt that Obama overstepped his bounds, giving that executive order, he's repealing it, but he's not against the Dreamers. He's just saying that because it was overstepping his bounds and it needs to be addressed legislatively, that Congress now has the responsibility to pass legislation in order to protect uh, these dreamers. So, will the dreamers be forced to leave is the main question. Well, not immediately. Um, according to the Department of Homeland Security, uh, DACA will eventually be phased out with an official end in six months. Um... There's also no way of knowing whether Congress will ever come, you know, to the Dreamers rescue and, you know, create some sort of legislation that would salvage the protections brought about by DACA. Um, you know, Donald Trump is asking Congress to act, but who knows if they will actually be able to pass legislation. Um, it's also not clear if Congress is unable to pass legislation, if the Dreamers would become targets for deportation. So a lot of those who are recipients of DACA are really, really up in the air. The Dreamers you know, who had sought protection and received protection now, you know, could potentially be deport deported. And um, I think that's a pretty scary situation to be in. So 
this is kind of a brief overview of what DACA is. And now we are going to hear a personal story from Saba Nafis, who is a dreamer who was positively impacted by DACA and is now negatively impacted by um, Donald Trump's executive order from last week. So let's um, tune in and hear what Saba has to say. So joining us today is Sabina Fees, who is a PhD student studying mathematical biology at Texas Tech University. She graduated in May of 2014 with a bachelor's in mathematics with the highest honors. Um, in her civic engagement activities, she has spoken at the TEDx stage. She has served as an E3 ambassador for the White House Initiative on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. She has also appeared twice on MSNBC Live to talk about DACA and she has led an unforgettable journey as a dream writer tour with fellow young leaders throughout the Eastern United States. Um, she's very passionate about entrepreneurship at tech and abroad. And um, she was helping Texas Tech lead the Innovation Mentorship and Entrepreneurship Program and implementing a business plan for Tibetan refugees in India and Nepal. Hi, Saba. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start with a pretty general question. Um, you're under DACA, right? And they also call you a dreamer. And I wanted to ask if you could give us a brief overview um, of what a dreamer is and what does it mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, this term is very popular right now in the media and the news, but um, the, dream, the word dreamer actually comes from um, the DREAM Act, which has been reintroduced uh, recently, and it stands for Development, Relief, and Education for Alien Minors Act. And so basically, um, whoever this act affects is somebody called a dreamer. So I would be one of those people because I would be affected by of this piece of legislation if it were to go into place and it would really be amazing if it does so in general a dreamer you know technically um refers to somebody you know who could be affected by this piece of legislation but it is also somebody who was brought into the united states when they were a child so younger than 16 years of age and they've been here since then and this is the only country they know so um we're also called dreamers but for me personally i think the original dreamers were our parents Parents, people who actually dreamt to bring us here into the United States and um, give us the opportunities that we have right now. So for me, it means, you know, a young person who came to the United States when they were really young. And then also the original dreamer for me would be our parents. Okay. So for many dreamers, they're the ones, um, you know, that essentially dream for a better life, right? Like for even though this is like a term that's being used for certain immigrants, um, I feel like it's essentially for all immigrants that have come to America, right? Like we've all dreamt or our parents have all dreamt for a better life for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I mean, America is a nation of immigrants, and we all know that very well. And I, I think that, you know, the original dreamers were also people who came here to the United States hundreds of years ago um, and their descendants. Right. So how about you tell us your story? You and your parents immigrated um, from Pakistan, am I correct? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was born in Karachi, Pakistan, and then I lived in Lahore until I was about 11 or 12 years of age. And we moved to the United States back in 2004. Um, I had visited here uh, at least once before back in 2000. My grandparents, my nana and nani, they were here since, um, you know, the 90s. And they were U.S. citizens and they had sponsored for my mom and her derivatives, which includes, you know, my family. So we'd moved here with the intention of actually living here and going to school here. That was back in 2004. But unfortunately, around the time we were moving, my grandfather, who was our sponsor, he passed away. So even though our green card was approved, our case was no longer able to move forward um, because our original sponsor had passed away and we'd already moved here. And then uh, two, two years later, my grandmother also passed away. She was also a U.S. citizen. And so after that, we just had to make a very difficult decision to, you know, decide to stay here in the U.S. This is in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, instead of going back to Lahore, uh, because, you know, conditions were really bad over there and they they still are bad, you know, they get right. worse every year. And so I was only 11, 12 years old. So I really obviously had no um, say in what we were actually planning to do. But I believe my parents really had to sit there and think, very um, carefully about their decision and they decided that it would be better if we stayed here and went to school, pursued our educational opportunities. So, you know, during that time, because DACA uh, became implemented in 2012, so prior to DACA's implementation, you know, what were yours and your family's fears? Yeah, so, you know, there's a big stigma around the Desi community, especially the Asian American community, about being undocumented. So we never really spoke about it too much. I mean, my parents were open about it. If anyone asked, they would tell. But we never, you know, would go around saying, hey, we're undocumented, we need help, or anything that um you know we were we were doing okay as long as we were um just you know playing by the rules not um you know my dad still had to find a way to drive because you know he had to take us to school so it was very very difficult living in the shadows because mainly you know because we didn't want um you know ice to find out and things right. like that so it was a very difficult life you know being under the shadows because we really didn't know what our future held for us so until 2012 though when DACA was introduced and it started to get implemented later in the year it was really really great news for all of us um because yeah, my sister's life change yeah, yeah our whole life changed and we you know were now going to be able to work legally we were now okay. going to be able to drive um and thus support ourselves Yeah, so it was really, was it like a burden lifted off your shoulders? Did you and your family feel so much better, like could breathe easier, didn't have as many fears? Yeah, for sure. For uh, not for my parents, but for us, you know, me and my two older sisters, my parents were very, very grateful that this program came about because now we were we would be able to support ourselves too instead of just my dad working and trying to support all of us. And by this point, I had already joined Texas Tech as a freshman, and life was pretty hard here. It's like about a five-hour drive from here, from Lubbock to Fort Worth. I couldn't go see my parents unless you know I had a ride, and luckily I had 
good friends and a good roommate who was also um, Daisy and she, she and her family were really helpful. So I, I, I was blessed, Alhamdulillah, to have all the support, but it was still very difficult because I couldn't work, you know, I couldn't right. drive. I, I didn't have the means to pay for rent unless, you know, my parents helped me and of course they helped me. So uh, this was a big relief. Oh, that, you know, that sounds great that, you know, it was so helpful to you and your family. And, you know, now we had President Trump's executive order that came out last week that, you know, he plans to repeal it in the next six months. So, you know, what is you and your family's status now? Like, you guys are in limbo, and how do you plan to proceed? Yeah, so for us, uh, you know, my two older sisters, they're faithfully married, and so they have their green cards, and they're well on their way to uh, pass to citizenship. But for me, I did also get faithfully married last year but unfortunately because of being undocumented and having DACA and just having this history unfortunately for me to be able to obtain a green card it's going to take a lot longer than it already does so for now I'm completely relying on DACA for first of all to have a work permit to be able to be legally employed and thus be able to drive etc have health insurance and all of those things that come with that but then also have deep Deportation protections. So now that DACA was rescinded just last week, unfortunately, I know, you know, there's this idea that for six months we're good to go. That's right. not true. Okay. That is so not true because just, you know, in the memo they, uh, the White House put out, they, and a couple of other documents they put out, they have stated in there that DACA recipients need to find ways to, um, get legal status somehow through other means or they need to get travel documents so that they can return to their country these are the words of the documents that are coming out of the white house so that really means and the dhs has said that everybody is on the table for deportations so now it doesn't matter really if we have daca because for some people for some some of us daca ends in a few months for some of us our work permits don't expire until the year after next so you see what i mean yeah if they find us or whatever um or a cop or whatever and if anything happens it, it doesn't really matter when our daca expires we are still on the table to be deported so that's the one big huge thing that has happened this this past week is we're no longer protected from deportation right and and that's a really scary concept i mean and i don't know how you feel about it but i know there are several articles out there about people who did sign up for daca and you know put out their personal information on there and so now they kind of feel worried that oh since my address and all that information's out there they know i'm a daca recipient are they going to come after me like are they going to send ice after me um Do you think that's a valid fear for you, too, to an extent? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a valid fear for all of us, because like you said, you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, you know, this is just amnesty and these young people are taking away jobs and all these things. And those are all false statements. I mean, there's so much data out there that shows that we are good people. We're working hard. Most of us are going to school. We're giving back. We're paying taxes, yet we do not have any advantages from federal financial aid or any sort of federal grant 
which is really, really, really unfortunate. And people don't understand that. So that's really frustrating. But yes, we did go through uh, extensive background checks and extensive biometric checks. So, for example, ICE and DHS, they have our fingerprints. They have our biometric data. They have our scans. They have our photos. Some of some of them, for some of us, they also have our um you know, voice recognition. For example, I know they have my voice recognition. So they have all sorts of data on us right now. And it's very, very, very scary that, you know, at any point, if they really wanted to round us up, they really could They have all the resources to be able to do so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. And, you know, right now, Congress has six months to try and pass the DREAMer Act. And I've heard that they intend to bring it to the floor this week in D.C. But, um... It must be very stressful to know that your immigration status is in limbo. But, yeah, yeah, um, you know, we've heard mostly in the media that this is really impacting the Hispanic and Latino community. But what others don't realize is that it also impacts the South Asian community. So the final question I want to ask you is, why do you think, you know, the Desi community should care? And what can the Desi community do to help? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's a stigma around being undocumented throughout the Asian American community, but especially, I think, from uh, among the Desi community. And I think it's really unfortunate, but because of that stigma and because of that fear of coming forward, most of us don't realize that, you know, our neighbors, our family, friends may be undocumented, their children may be undocumented, yet we don't know because we don't want to talk to each other about it at our dawits and at our uh, gatherings or at the masjid right. over. And so it's really unfortunate. I think we need to realize that there is a, you know, there's a lot of data out there that says this is exactly the amount of South Asians, Pakistanis, Indians, Bangladeshis, etc., who are undocumented and who have DACA. Um, and we need to realize that it's just, it's not just the Hispanic community and that we all need to stand up right now together so that we can fight for the DREAM Act to pass. And do you think one of the best ways to, you know, fight for the Desis or just for the people impacted by DACA is to contact your congressional representatives? Yeah, I think that's one of the the best things to do is just keep calling, you know, go visit, whatever you can do, especially if you're a a Desi person who is able to vote too when when the time comes for these things. We really need to be more more civically engaged. We need to make sure that, you know, we, we can have complaints about politics, but then until we actually start to take part in it, nothing is going to change. Right. And at least we can start with calling our representatives, our senators, and just urging them to, you know, to pass this and to vote for this, um, because it's it's really important. And I feel like people think, oh, you know, calling won't help, but actually it does. They do take into account of everybody who's called and everybody who's written and sent letters and emails and things like that. So I think that would be one great step to do right now. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us, Saba. Um, you know, you and everyone that's been impacted by DACA, you guys are definitely in our thoughts and our prayers. And I hope that my listeners will heed your advice and start calling their representatives to tell them that, you know, if this Dreamer legislation gets to the House floor, then this is something that, you know, we would really like for them to vote on. So, again, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, you know, we all wish you well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
All right, everybody. I hope you all were moved by Saba's very personal story um, about how she is being impacted by Donald Trump's executive order in repealing DACA and what could potentially happen if Congress is unable to formulate some sort of legislation um, to solve this problem. So, as she had stated, that one of the best ways to get involved is to, you know, call your congressional representatives. So these are not your state reps. This is immigration, so it's on the federal level. So these are to call, you know, your U.S. senators, which are Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, and then your U.S. House of Representative representative. So this is very important, you know, because I know many Daisies will think, oh, this is just impacting the Hispanic and Latino community. This doesn't impact us. And that is the exactly wrong attitude to have. I have heard from many um, they see people saying, oh, it's just them, like, who cares, etc., etc. That's a terrible outlook to have because in America, what everybody fights for is equality for everyone. And that is an ideal that, as an American, we should also uphold, that just because it doesn't impact Daisies that we shouldn't care. Because when something does impact us, you can't be upset when others don't care about us. So, again... Please realize that DACA impacts the South Asian community, and even if it didn't impact us as much, you should still care because it's still impacting many, many Americans. All right. I hope you all will also join us on September 30th. Um, again, the, it'll be Civics and Jai and YZTX and Radio Azad. They're hosting this together. And it will be a very informative um, session for those that want to be civically engaged or want to learn how to become more civically engaged. Again, that's September 30th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Par Library in Plano, Texas. All right, everybody, that's the segment for today. I hope you all enjoyed it. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with those that have been impacted by Irma, Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. Please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Please donate locally as much as possible. And I will definitely be posting on social media um, some organizations that you can donate to the victims that have been impacted by Irma as well. All right, everybody, remember, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time.